You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. Thank you, thank you. Hey, so uh, even though you just gave away a great uh, whip commercial, uh, that's not what this session's about. Uh, we're honored to be in the room with you guys and helping facilitate conversation on your next steps for your growth financially and how we can help you get there. And so we're not going to share from a perspective of, hey, here's our sales to help you. Uh, the good thing about WIF is even though we're a uh, billion-dollar organization, we don't have sales goals. So we don't come to a conference like this to close deals. We come here to help people. And so I hope you hear our heart in that today as we talk about general terms, general guidelines, general expectations to at least get you somewhere in the framework of what you need to be projecting as you plan for your next stage in growth, whether it be a campus, uh, whether it be a new church building, a refinance of your current building, whatever it may be, I hope we're able to answer some of those questions for you uh, in this session today. So everybody good? good. Awesome. Hey, a quick uh, introduction. This is Daryl Grabowski. Uh, he's been with us now for about six years. Uh, does an amazing job of serving on our loan team, and so he works with a ton of our churches as well as other denominations that we serve. Rich has been there quite a, a bit longer, as it looks, and so uh, he's been there 12 years. Uh, we're all good friends, guys. It's okay. He's not offended, I promise. Uh, but he's been there 12 years, so he's got a wealth of knowledge and experience that he brings to the table as well. Both of them have worked in commercial lending, and so they have a perspective that's a, a, a much more general perspective of what they've seen in the commercial market and secular banking versus what we do. So we're a nonprofit, um, and so we can share, we don't have the federal guidelines and regulatory issues. So some of the things you're hearing us talk about today may uh, not be what your next lender may tell you. So we're going to try to get you in the ballpark, at least give you some guidelines and principles and things that will help you have that conversation. Everybody, everybody good? Awesome. Good. All right, so a couple questions uh, before we get started. Uh, who in the room is a senior pastor? Dang, that's impressive. Most rooms like this, don't, senior pastors don't want to come in because it's about money. Hey, send somebody else to go talk to them. Uh, so thank you for being in the room with us. And oh, by the way, it's 3 o'clock in um, Anaheim. Most of everybody else went to Disneyland, and y'all stayed here for the app session. So thank you for doing that. It made us feel really, really good. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, what about executive pastors? Sweet. Okay, cool. Good mix room. Um, who's doing in the middle of like a building project? Awesome. Okay. Who wants to do a building project? Okay, cool. All right, cool. That just helps us kind of frame some of our conversations. So uh, at the end of this, probably around uh, 3.30 or so, we're going to give you all the information that we feel like we can give. And then about 3.30, we're going to take some questions to get uh, some feedback from you guys on how we can help. And during that Q&A time, there'll be a mic. The only reason we have a mic is to record it in case you ask a really, really good question. Uh, they'll have it recorded. If you ask a really bad question, we're going to send it to Pastor Dino and you're not coming back. Just kidding. <laughs> So that'll be fun. Um, hey, a couple questions. Uh, we'll play a little game. We've got a couple gift cards just because we, we think this is fun. What uh, is the average cost of a 500-seat, from-the-ground-up build project? And while you're thinking about it, let me tell you why I'm asking. One of the number one challenges that we see in the churches that we get to serve with, we serve about 1,300 churches across all, this, all the country. What we see is they think what they want, but they don't know what they can afford. But they think what they want is what they can afford until they realize the price of what they want. So be thinking. Anybody have an idea? Where? Yeah, what state? Let's go with, we serve a ton in Dallas. Let's go with Texas. 1.2 for a 500-seat auditorium. Okay. And that'd be a 500-seat campus, obviously. A million per 100. A million per 100. So that's 5 million? Uh-huh. That's your guess? All right. 3.2. 3.2. 2.5. 12 million. 
four. And the winner is... She's you guys are numbers, this. guys. She's done this before. Yes. <laughs> Give her her $50 gift card, Rich. Yeah. Well go. Well done. Well done. Five million. Yeah. Yep. I'm so good at this. Yeah, we will. We're going to dive in and tell you how to get that number so you kind of know your framework for what you're thinking. Another question. What is the average uh, savings account rate across all secular banks or any bank in the country? Average rate on return of a savings account? 0.9. It's close. Anybody got any guesses? 0.8. Uh, 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 0.45. 
600. Is that including land development costs? Because mm -hmm. land development plus oh. building oh. plus furniture and fixtures plus ABL and all that stuff plus the per, per square. So you guys are probably you guys are. I didn't want to go that high, but we've seen it that high. I, we typically would say, on average, across the board, we just throw out two hundred dollars a foot. But I'll tell you, the, I'm surprised that you are high because most most church well, pastors in Oregon, Oregon. Yeah. But I would even say there, California. I mean, I normally say hundred dollars a foot. I talk to our builder in our church. We can do it for hundred dollars a foot. Never seen it. You can't even build a house for that. Mm -hmm. uh, you might be able to get a metal frame building, but you're not going to get any landscaping, any AVL, any furniture fixtures. So two hundred dollars a foot, I would say, is probably light. But just from an average perspective, two hundred dollars a foot. So that building. Would cost you roughly seven million dollars. May or may not include land. The cost of that building seven million dollars. We financed some some projects recently in Indianapolis area where we're, we're from, and it was closer to three hundred and fifty. So if it was three hundred dollars a foot, you're talking that's closer to eleven, twelve million, you know, million dollar project. And that three three hundred to three hundred and fifty number included uh, developing a twenty to thirty acre site. Uh, getting all the utilities in, retention pond, developing all that, getting all your all your soft costs, and then putting the building on top of it. Right. Uh, and that, the, those buildings were fifty to sixty thousand square feet, and they, they ended up being three hundred, three hundred fifty dollars a square foot. And what typically happens too, one of the number one uh, most unbudgeted ideas uh, or unbudgeted items is going to be ABL. And so they get to the end of the project, like, oops, by the way, we want fancier lights and we want more sound and we want all this stuff. So it's a very important that you price all of that together and get as close as you possibly can to the number that you want in that. So even if you're thinking, you know, I, I, we get calls all the time from pastors and, hey, I've got this land, I'm going to buy it, I'm going to put a building on it. And their idea of what they think they can build it for is just so much less than what it should be. So we kind of have to talk them off the ledge a little bit, um, which has been really helpful. Is so, anybody in a in a building or buy have land or in a building project? Okay. So, Rich, walk them through um, from our standard, and I would say that this is almost to some degree industry standard uh, of what they think they can afford. So, let me ask this question: If you're going to let's just keep using this number here, if you're going to build a seven million dollar facility for a seven hundred seat auditorium, what do you think your giving tithes and offerings needs to be per year? In order to qualify for that, huh? Three million. Come on, guys. Somebody's got an it. Get probably could check. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so, 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 what? Forty percent of the price. Yeah. So given our industry averages, yeah, so, you're close. So the first thing, and this is why it's helpful. Uh, your architect, your uh, there's a lot of design firms out there that are going to help you and they're going to help they're going to end up showing you that it's 200 250 300 okay so they're going to get there the reason why we're talking about this though is it's important to know this ahead of time like daryl said so that you can guide them like here's our maximum loan amount that we can do so the very first thing that everybody should always remember is that that three times your annual income is your maximum loan amount three times so if you've got Five hundred thousand. That's one point five million dollar loan. If it's uh, a million dollars in annual income, that's a three million dollar loan. If it's um, if it's a seven million dollar project, you're not going to get a seven million dollar loan, right? So you're going to get 
uh, possibly a $7 million project. We're looking on a new project with land and everything. A general guideline is we'll want 25% cash equity. So I don't know what that number is, on, on, but my guess is it's probably around five and a half or $5 million loan. in terms of a loan amount. So let's say it's a $5 million loan. You're going to need about a $1.7 million annual income to build a $7 million facility. And you're going to have to raise about a million and a half up front before you can build that facility. So maybe we can walk through another example. Um, let's say you're, um, so, you, so kind of working backwards, let's say your, your income's a half a million dollars. Um, and so that your total maximum loan amounts, 1.5 million. Now remember, I, and I wanted to be clear on that, that's a guideline. So there's a lot of other factors that help us allow us to either be at, have it be below three times for, what, for whatever reason. For example, if the church is, um, I know the ARC model is to have, you know, budget on 90% of last year's income, having savings. If we see something like that come in, we know the church has operating margin. They're growing. By the time their project is done, their income is going to grow too, and they might get to three times their future income. So we might look at that. Um, but, but, if, but if the church is operating with no margin uh, and they're spending every dollar on, on staff, ministry, and so on, we're, we're probably going to probably ratchet that down to two, two and a half times your annual income because you just don't have any margin today to, to be able to afford a future payment. A new building requires more expenses. Yeah, so that's the formula for it. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is I wrote in here tithes and offerings too. So a lot of pastors will call and say, hey, by the way, we brought in $4 million last year. That's also how much is that is restricted because people give toward a capital campaign. Well, they're not giving that extra, a million of that $4 million was capital campaign. We don't count that into your loan because you're not going to be able to get that every year, year over year from people giving to the building project that you just completed. So that's a one-time thing. So we're going to ask, what are the unrestricted giving, which is generally tithes and offerings? So don't use your capital money, or capital raise, as that being a projected amount of what I could qualify for. Does that make sense? And I'll just, Rich touched on it, but I think for us, we're in the debt providing business, right? That's what we do. But probably the, the thing that pains us the most is, is when we see a church take on too much debt and all of their ministry dollars are going towards debt service. Yeah. So we provide debt, but... We, we don't want the church to have so much debt that it just chokes out their ministry. We see it, ha unfortunately, we see it happen. Um, we typically don't put them in that. We, we rarely put a loan where they're just going to be completely strapped, but sometimes things happen. Project overruns and you have to borrow more money or something happens and a few people leave and you don't have the same base. But, but we would say typically a church could afford all, all your other ministry expenses and still afford three times debt to income, assuming all your other ratios are. And that, that represents, so you know, uh, as part of your monthly tithes and offerings, uh, depending on whether it's a 20-year loan, a 30-year payment amortization, we can talk about terms and so on, but generally that, that payment's going to represent 15 to 20% of your monthly cash flow coming in, or 15 to 20% of your annual income is going to go toward debt service if you're going to borrow the maximum loan amount. And we have found over a long period of time uh, that churches that borrow at three times or less, even with hiccups, even with transitions, they're able to continue on and, and be fine. We have found when they get to four or five times, 
we're going to have some some spotty records or they really don't have any room for error. Because uh, now all of a sudden you have 30, 35, 40 percent of your income going for your debt service, and, and now you're just you're strapped. So one, one of the things, too, that I'd love to ask you guys, so one of the questions we often get, well, when do I need to start planning? Because we'll get sometimes a call late in the game. Hey, I'm ready to break ground on this building. I drove by and God told me I need to buy that building, but they haven't worked on the savings plans to get there. So when would you recommend them start saving for that future building? Yesterday. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't know if it's, I mean, I don't feel specific for it, but I mean, I think for us, when we look at, Two big things. Is there margin within your within your current budget? And two, what, what do you have? What do you have cash on hand? Both for the building project, but also operating reserves so that so that you're not draining everything that you have to go to fund a building and that you're not left with nothing. So we, we see a lot of a lot of the art, especially in our so we work with churches uh, across denominations. Um, and I would say most denominational churches have really, really high salary expenses, and they don't, they don't have a lot of margin. So it's really difficult for them to enter into a building project. I would say most art churches that we work with, they, they're already building in margin, that 10% margin. And a lot of them will also, if they don't have a building, they're setting the 10% away, plus they're doing another 10%. They're just carving something else out of their ministry costs. So they're putting 10 to 20%, sometimes 30%, not including year-end giving or things that they do. So they're in their budget, they're putting 10 to 20% away right off the bat. Um, and in the year, I forget what they, we call it at the end. So of the how would you, so capital campaigns, uh, many of us do those in our churches, or we may do something like that. We may not call it that, but we're doing an annual fundraise to be able to buy the next property build or whatever. How do you look at that when you're going through the loan process? And how does that account for what they can qualify for, what money they got to put down, and when they have to put it down? That's a great question. You're welcome. So, yeah, it's a dynamic process. So, so, so it can, it's kind of an ever-changing because we know you're going to be raising money through the project phase. Uh, you're going to be raising project money up to the project, and you're going to be raising money hopefully for the building after the project is completed. So we have to we take into account all those factors in determining what's really going to be that what's your high loan amount, and we might have it be a because again we're trying to get to three times, so it might be possible we we approve a loan of three and a half times your annual income, knowing that you've got a capital campaign. Got some senior. We're seeing some money coming in from a legacy annual Kingdom Builders Fund, anything like that. We're looking for the timing of that to determine whether or not, as your project's going on, you're drawing those funds that, that you'll get to that three times number, uh, maybe even six, 12 months after the loan's closed. But we have the confidence if it's a growing church and we see that you have some experience in raising money, just one time money, uh, that we'll approve a little bit more in order to. Yeah, we don't really. To be honest, it's that's something just Rich and I. There's a feeling that way. I mean, we don't really have a ratio that we look at. It's more of over the next twelve months. If you're, it's a let's say it's an eighteen month project. Over the next eighteen months, what do you think you're going to collect based on that? We'll discount it probably twenty percent, twenty five percent. If you think you're going to raise a million dollars, we may discount it internally. 25%, so we'll say in a million-dollar campaign that you think you're going to collect over the next 12 months, we may internally kind of give you credit for 750 So we may loan you an, a little bit higher with the expectation that that money is going to pay down principal and be within that three times threshold, threshold when it's done. Um, but that's, there's not really a formula. It's just more of something that we look at. Yeah, there's another. There's, another, there's some churches we've worked with that 
Recently, we had a church that's operating on 58% of their margin, or have 58% of their expenses. They're putting it, they, they, they only got there because two years ago, we kept, and probably over a period of two years, probably said three times that you don't have enough funds. You don't, you're not, you don't have the ability to put this, you know, construct this building yet. They, they, um, part of that was they're a very giving, generous church. And, and that's also a, a character trait of, of our churches, right? So um, at some point, I, they had to um, get to a point where they felt like, you know what? For this season in our life, for the two years as we're moving up, you know, we have to decide whether we're going to build a building or we're going to be a mission-oriented church that just gives our money away. And that's fine, too. I mean, you just have to decide. But that's, that's the personality of the church. Or how do you... How do you balance those two? I mean, that's ultimately up to you. But but uh, they decided that they got to a point where, you know what? For this period of time, we're going to just shift all our money. Not all of it. They're still very giving church, but they they uh, I think they still give ten percent of their money away. But they they started putting more money just directly into the capital campaign, and that allowed us to say they they brought the the. They brought it to us again, and we, we thought, whoa, I mean, if their margin, they, they, the margin they had allowed us to approve the loan in order for them to build their building. One of the other things we talk about a good bit is uh, almost every call we get from a pastor who has a building thinks it's worth more than what it actually is. Uh, they're like, oh, man, this is a $15 million building. You know, you, you pay two. Um, because somebody gave it to you. Now, very rarely, that has happened where somebody's come in and said, hey, they're a church that's closing their doors and they want to keep it in the kingdom, so therefore they give you an incredible deal. But oftentimes, it's a skewed perception of what that pastor believed that building is worth, when in reality, if we were to take that building on as a debt, we're going to have to discount the resale of that building because another church would have to come in, another pastor would have to occupy that space and build a church around it. So talk a little bit from one of you guys based on evaluation because oftentimes the pastor wants to use the equity in the building, the perceived equity of the building, toward the cost of, putting, of paying for their loan. How do we look at that and what, how do most banks are going to be looking at that for future growth? Yeah, I, I would say if you think just one building, you don't, you don't anything else, just one building, we're going to, we, and I think most banks too, but we're specifically, are gonna, we're, we're looking at the cost. What are you actually paying for that building? If we truly feel like there's significant value in that building, we may not require as much as I think we talked about 25% in that. But, but generally going in, you should look, I have to have 25% of the cost of that building. We do that for two reasons. One is collateral. We want to make sure we're protected, like, like Greg said. Um, because honestly, from a fair market standpoint, if, if the economy tanks and something happens, that equity, perceived equity, could go away really quickly. Yeah. Um, so we don't, we don't always look at it from a fair market value standpoint. We're wanting what cash has the church put in. So skin in the game. In our 70, we've been around since 1946. And our history is when churches have stepped up and put cash and skin in the game, the projects have been more successful. Your people are bought into that project, um, and it works. The project works. It's more successful. Not, not say that they don't have problems, but typically the projects are more successful. So for us, it's really more of we want your people to be bought in. We, because we're not regulated, we have the ability to finance 100% of a property. Rarely do we do it um, because we feel like the people are not bought into that project. And some, some pastors don't want to ask for more money. 
Um, and I think that's just part of the stewardship process of the people when, when, they, when they actually step up and give to that. Yeah, project. if we were to provide 100%, it would become our project. Our project. And right. we don't want your project. We want it to be yours, and we want to accelerate the vision God has on you for that project. So, uh, Now, if you own... How do we determine the value? So we don't, we don't even get appraisals, for the most part, um, on single-purpose worship facilities. And tell them why. Who knows what that's worth, honestly. It's a single-purpose single facility that's only for a church... Um, or even if it's a warehouse, or even if it's a commercial building, even if it's a former grocery store, um, we generally will not get appraisals. Right. And and um, and it's really we, we look at comps in the area. We look at what the tax assessor says. We 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 do our best just because from experience. But still, at the end of the day, it's generally what you buy it for is what is is what it's going to appraise for anyway. And so we're. We kind of look at it as stewardship for you. You don't have to spend five to ten grand on, on getting an appraisal that a bank will require every, at least not not just up front, but every five years. Um, so we're saving you money there, and and then so we're just evaluating based on. It, of course, it depends on whether you're in Southern California or in Iowa. I mean, on, on what a church is going to cost. And we've re- grocery store warehouse. Yeah. And we've received appraisals where they have sales comps from a couple years ago. Or we're in North Carolina and they're pulling a sales comp from South Carolina. It's just because there's not enough comps in that area that come to a value. And so that's part of our job is we'll come out on site and actually evaluate that. Now, if you had something where we think it's worth, you know, $2 million and you're going to pay $5 million, we may, we may, we may order some just to kind of verify. But nine times out of ten, we're not getting appraisals. Yeah. So we're, two more kind of topics and then we'll lean into questions. So I want to talk about the loan process um, being one of those. And then uh, structure being the other one. So we'll start with process. Give us general guidelines based on the process for traditional lending, what the process typically looks like, and then back into WF and what our process is and how they differ. Yeah, I'll first start with uh, the request. So we, um, a lot of people come up and ask, uh, will you do an addition or expansion? Financing for that? Yeah. Well, will you, can you refinance my loan? Yeah. Can you, uh, I mean, think about any type of loan the church needs and just buy raw land. Yeah, we can look at that. Generally, it's about 50 per, we require more cash now on that. But So first of all, but what about a, what about a personal loan for a pastor to buy a house? No, we, we can't do consumers, consumer loans. But, so just to clear that. Yeah, um, but walk them through the process. Yeah. So they get online. Would it give us the general, because some of us are, hadn't been through the loan process at all right. in any ba- secular bank or WI for anyone else. What is that process? How do they prepare? What does it need to look like? Because I think sometimes what we see is people over-prepare for that, and they get really almost skittish of it when it could be really, really simple, at least to get you started. So kind of walk them through what they need to be prepared for. Yeah, I think if, it depends on what price. If it's a refinance, it's fairly simple. You just go online, go to our website, wifonline.com. There's a loan application tab. You click on that and you fill it out, and you can include financial statements. Typically, we want the last three years of your annual financial statement, so that would be a balance sheet and an income statement, and then a year-to-date statement, and then an operating budget is what we would typically ask for, and then any information that you have on the property. If you have a sales comps or an appraisal or something, we just ask you to send that in. But if, but if you don't, if you're not sure you have it all, and that's why some, there's a lot of stalls. So a lot of people send us an application or they tell us to send it and, and then it never comes in because they just don't feel like they have enough information. 
It, it's a, it's, we've had people fill it out in 10 minutes, but generally the average is 15 minutes to fill this thing out. And if you don't know information or you're just estimating, that's fine. We're not going to, we're not filing anything with any, you know, um, but a standard practice would be, so traditionally, it would take how long uh, in a traditional bank setting? Because quite honestly, and we tell you guys this all the time, like there's some local lenders like uh, in your area that are regional that may be a better service to you than what we do. And that's, we're great with that. We'll even help you with that. But so traditionally, if they're going that direction, how long will it take them to go through the process? How do they need to plan? When should they start filling out an application? Is it when I have a dream or was it when I have money? Or where, where do I start? Yeah. When do I start? So, but it's important to identify, actually be at that level where you've identified either a building you're purchasing, ideally that you've already, it, oftentimes we'll call right before they're purchasing a building, we're thinking about purchasing this building. We say, yeah, it looks like you're within the guidelines. I go ahead and get a signed purchase agreement. Make sure you have a contingency of you know 60 to 90 days to get financing. Um, and so if you've identified it, refinance is really easy. If you've uh, kind of done the industry, you, you constructed a new building, buying land, anything like that, if you've identified something, then fill out the loan application. If you don't really know yet which building you're going to buy yet or nothing, you don't even know the address yet, it's that, that's too early. Um, but really, once, you, once you've identified something and you're ready to go, fill that out. You're, you're not, that's not your one shot. Don't look at that as like, man, this is my one shot to get a loan approved. We're going to look at it and hopefully it oftentimes we'll call you or email you, ask for more questions and, and just start walking through that process. But if, if, it's, if everything is there, um, it's a matter of, uh, we say five to seven business days. You're going to hear from Daryl or I. And we essentially are, you know, we're, we're the loan managers for WIF. We're going to be underwriting the loan. We're going to be looking at it. We're going to be talking amongst just us two and uh, deciding if it's something that's, that's something we're going to do. We're going to actually send you within about five to seven business days a proposed loan terms. And so you're going to actually have the ability to say, okay, here's my pricing, here's my payments. Uh, if you have any questions, you can ask us. In traditional sense, though, it's going to take them, I think it's a minimum of 30 days. Yeah, to go through a process. Appraisal, you've got a loan bank, loan committee. You've got a, a lot more credit that, that somebody's got to just... Which is not bad, but you got to be early enough on. So when you're finding a piece of property, you want to make sure in your contingency plan that you tell them, hey, part of us buying this property, putting a contract down, is a minimum of a 60, 90-day contingency being financing, being one of those big ones, obviously. And you got site development and other things they'll do. Uh, but making sure that you build in, because any bank you go to, traditionally, you're going to have a minimum 30, sometimes even up to 60 days to get all the paperwork that you need to get in for them to qualify you before you can move forward on that property. Now, so, so, and something we get is um, sometimes we'll just respond in our normal standard five to seven business days, and um, we'll hear back and say, thank you, we're checking with some other banks. And that's like, makes sense. I mean, that's fine. Um, and then um, we'll check back a month from now, and they'll say, hey, you know what, we're still waiting on one more bank's response. You know what, what the, I'll just tell you, from our perspective, that tells us that maybe the church doesn't quite understand who we are, because we responded early. We responded because we wanted to help the church. But this church looks like they're more interested in just a pricing transaction. It's a transaction to the church. And for us, that's why it's, I don't know if, we always try to make it real clear. If it's a it's solely and 
the interest rate, I, I can get a quarter percent interest rate here as a local bank, then, then that's, not, that's not who we are. We're, we're here to take your interest and help churches. We're not here to... Uh, yeah, I think the way that traditionally the way we structured is, you know, we're not, uh, we're competitive, but we don't compete. So if we get a phone call, so I'm the front end guy, like I'm just a relationship guy. That's why I'm asking the numbers questions. I have to actually draw it out. They know it in their heads. Um, but it's more for us, like, hey, if you're calling, hey, what's the cheapest money I can get? Then you're probably going to encourage you to move on to the next lender because we want to be your partner, not just your lender. And there's just a different structure and strategy, which is why guys that you've heard uh, partner with us the way they do. So walk us through um, structure, because there's pretty unique structures for WIF, but before we even talk WIF structure, give them traditional structure. What can they expect in a traditional commercial market structure of their loan? So I'd say most commercial banks will, will give you a five-year term, and then your payments, which is called amortization. So dummy that down for your, me. Five-year term meaning yeah. what? What does that term mean? So term is your, there's a hard contractual maturity date in the loan documents, and your loan will come due in five years. But your payments, but your payments are based on 20 years, or sometimes they'll go 25, so that's payment amortization. At five years, let's say you did a five-year term, 20-year amortization. At year five, you still owe 15 years on that loan. So that, but there's a hard contractual maturity date, and banks sometimes will renew, sometimes they won't. It depends on a lot of factors: where the economic cycle is, where the church is, and their income and attendance. It could be where the banks they may just not want to provide loans to churches. We're seeing that all the time. Where we refinance loans every week, every I want to say every day, but it's a lot because banks are getting out of the loan church loan business. So at year five, you have to go through this whole renewal process with the banks. And they may or may not. And if they don't, you have a balloon payment for the last 15 years and you have to go find another bank. So with us, we don't have that balloon payment. It's a full 20-year term, 20-year amortization that matches, a fully amortizing. There are times we'll go on new construction. We'll go longer than 20 years. We'll go 25 or 30, just the, the cost of the building so high. Um, ease into your payments a little bit. But still, it's 20 years with no financial covenants. So a financial covenant is something, a bank will give you a five-year term, and then they'll also put covenants in there. So you have to hit certain thresholds, and, and they put those in there because if you don't hit those thresholds, that's a default, and it gives them a trigger to get out of that loan. Early. Give me an example of what that would be for a so covenant. So a big one you may have heard, debt service coverage ratio is a ratio. So for every dollar of expense, they want you to have a dollar twenty of income, essentially. They want you to have some margin in there. And if you have a year where you only brought in a dollar of income versus a dollar of expenses, you've tripped that covenant. So now that loan is technically in default. That means you come to the table and they have to waive that default to be able to continue or they will call that default and your loan is due. So not only do they have a five-year term, they have these triggers within that loan. And it's just a way for regulators to put that on banks to clean have a clean loan portfolio. So if we're, we're, we're us, this, walk me through like a real-life scenario where that could happen. Is it, uh, if I had a, fl- uh, I'll give you the scenario. I had a flood in my building. I mean, I'm, par- I'm in year three of my five-year term. Um, my note's coming due in two years, but I had a flood in the building, and we couldn't have church for three weeks, and my income went way down. But our expenses went way up because we had to market Easter coming up. Mm-hmm. Give me the, take that example, and what would that look like? That's already, what you just described is a loan default right there. Because a material event just happened to your church that you weren't planning on is putting you in a real difficult situation. And the church and the bank can call the loan just based on what you described without any ratios or anything like that. So the ratio that, that, that Daryl described, too, doesn't apply to churches. Um, churches have ups and downs. and so You're not always going to have 120% of revenue over your expenses. 
Um, and so it's, but well, that's why the banks, um, and there's other requirements like financial statements. They may require them, some of them monthly, quarterly, annually audited financial statements. And there's some that, that we'll do, but generally we're, we're more lenient on that. Because there are loans for 20 years. This is a partnership together. And so as long as you're making your payments and things are happening well, and when you have that flood, you're going to call us and say, we just had a flood. We can't even use our building. We're going to lease another building for six months. The bank's got going to send that to a workout officer. We're going to call, and, and I've received so many calls over the years from people that are just scared to death, like, oh no, how are we going to make this payment? And we're going to tell them, here's what we're going to do. I think, you know, what do you think about going interest only on your loan for six months until you recover, and then we'll go back to PI payments. And so, you know, that's, so it drops their payment in half, maybe, or, or possibly, or maybe they're, they're going to be to borrow back up on their loan. Um, and if you borrow back up on a, on a bank loan, you're going to have to, it's a total refinance scenario, total renewal. In our, in our WIF, we generally call it, in a technical terms, future advanced mortgage clause. So basically, it allows you to borrow back up on the loan that you paid down. Uh, so if you had a $5 million loan, you got it paid down before, you want to plan a new campus, you can borrow back up to five. Rather than going through a whole other loan closing, now you still have a, you still have to send a loan application in for a million dollars, but you don't have to go through a whole other loan closing, all new title work, new appraisal. So that that would be another really key difference between WI and the bank. That most people you do not you do not realize that until it actually happens. So you've got traditional would be five year traditional. We've seen a couple, not very many more, uh, ten year rates. Because um, they're kind of going away because churches, they want the ability to kind of kick you out of their portfolio if they need to. So they give you a five-year rate, then you refi, redo all your paperwork, and there's a possibility your loan may not get approved for the next round of refi, and you got to go figure out another lender to help you. Uh, WIF structure, walk them through what that looks like and, and how we put that uh, their loan together. Yeah. Uh, so again, 20, we'll do a full 20-year term, 20-year payment amortization, and it depends if it's a refinance or new construction. So... I don't know how, how much you want to get into. I mean, if it's a straight refinance, it's just it's a really simple 20-year term, 20-year amortization, no covenants. With a three-year fixed rate. Yeah, our rates are fixed for three years, and they adjust every three years thereafter. But, but that's not a refinance on that adjustment period. It's an email saying, hey, your rate's adjusted up or down based on our savings accounts right. because that's how we fund our loans. So, the, But it's a really, really easy, simple process, no red tape. If you're doing a construction loan, there's, I mean, we, can, we do interest-only periods during the, during the construction draw. And we flip it to a permanent mortgage loan. There's not a new closing like a typical bank, and they would do a construction draw period. And then you sometimes have to come back and get that loan approved to do a full permanent mortgage loan. Everything ours is all in one loan. So there's different there's different structures for different loans. I don't know how much we want to get. So into something that, that gives uh, churches uh, some hard heartburn with WIF. I'm trying to think this is, is that three year rate, three year fixed rate. It's a twenty year loan. So what's and what's my three-year rate going to change to in three years? Uh, and we, we literally say it changes to the prevailing loan rate that WIF charges at that time. How many, how many of you make that, make that, you, does that feel comfortable when, when it says it's just going to change it to the rate that a lender feels like it's going to be? Yeah. Um, you only feel comfortable if, it's, if you're with WIF. Um, we're the church assisting loan business, like Craig said, we, we do great, we always commit to providing a competitive rate. And if you don't like the rate, call us, and we'll talk about it. And if you can get a, a, 
dramatically better rate at a bank. We'll work, we'll work with you. Send us the financials and we can work through that. So it's kind of a, as long as churches remember, but that's some, when you get that proposal the first time, sometimes that kind of grabs some board members usually or elders too. It's like, hey, you know what? That's just a three-year rate. I don't like that. Um, but it's, it's, as long as they understand that, that, hey, remember who they're partnering with on our three-year fixed rate. Yeah, yeah, I would say for, when you're looking at a lending partner, whether it's WF or anybody, I would just look at the overall. Don't look at just the rate. Um, I ended up at WF because the church I was a part of was had financing through the bank that I worked for, and they were being extremely difficult to that. There was a pastor transition, and the pastor left, and there was a little hiccup. They missed a covenant, but they were doing fine, and the bank that I worked for wanted out of that loan. They called the default. They wanted out of that loan. So they, hey, Daryl, check out WIF. Uh, and I didn't know who they were. And so because I had banking experience, I looked, the rate was slightly higher than, than what they had. But I knew that I had a 20-year term, that I never had to touch that loan for the entire 20 years. Um, the flexibility to access money down the road, the flexibility if I run into a little hiccup, the flexibility if I want to add another campus, to just make a call and they'll come. I mean, it's, the flexibility is so much more than just the rate conversation. And so I just encourage you guys, whoever you choose, don't just focus on the right, focus on the bigger picture of and, and partnership. I'll, I'll add something to that. Uh, there's a church in our church, one of our fastest growing, larger art churches, um, that had a loan. And my, my intention of my call when calling them to find out uh, after I received their loan application, they had a great, great, low market rate with a local bank. It was, I'll just tell you, it's in the low 4% rate. And we were not in the low 4% range. So our average rate today around uh, in the mid 5% range. I say 5 to 6%. But the, um, my call to the executive pastor was to convince him to stay with the local bank. He told me the story that the year before they had, they, they had a, uh, an opportunity to buy another building for, another, for their third campus. And the bank said, no, can't do it. He said that. They looked at that and they refinanced the loan at WIF at about a half a percent higher. We ended up trying to come down as low as we could, a little bit half percent higher than where they were today, but it put them in the position of being able to buy that future campus now because we're partnering with them. We want them to grow. And the way they would tell the stories, it would it cost them money to stay with who they're with because they couldn't get more money. So they lost an opportunity. So, hey, we're going to Q&A. We've got about 15, 20 minutes left. So uh, know that if it's a real specific question, it may be something you can uh, dialogue with one of these loan guys. Probably not me unless you want to go hang out for coffee. Um, but dialogue with them and figure out uh, how to get deep into the weeds and figure out how we can help with that question. So let's, uh, let's get it started. Who's got a question? Yes, sir. Oh, wait, wait, he's going to give you the mic so they can get this on recording. Yeah. So we're in Rapid City, South Dakota, and we had a parishioner... Uh, donate land to our church. We're looking to um, South Dakota um, build on that land. What we also have the opportunity to purchase the other 30 acres, which gives us 40 acres. Three miles away, um, the commercial property is projected. Uh, I'm going to say 75 to 100 thousand per acre. Wow! Just because of the expansion coming that way, we have an air base out there that's changing planes and everything. So people, personnel is getting larger. Um, do you take those projections into account as far as equity available for the property for the loan? Great question. I would, Daryl's familiar with Rapid City. We have some clients out there that are familiar with that property out there. 
Yes, but it's it's we're still going to look at going back to we want there to be skin in the game. Where they're going to want to be some does the has the church raise cash to put into the project? So I don't know. Is it selling for half of that today? We'd still want there to be cash based on what you're purchasing. But if we're in conversation and, and, and we're seeing that we're seeing the growth, we may we'll factor we may factor that in. Um, but it's not like hey, because there's going to be, it's going to double in a couple of years, we're just going to give you 100 percent financing. Because as fast as that increased, it could flip the other way as well. Um, and, and again, with, if churches don't have skin in the game, it's a lot easier for somebody to walk away from a property. But that's we may go from a thirty percent down to twenty five percent or twenty. So we change the dynamic, yeah, well, but we always want the church to be invested to be their project. Yeah. yeah. In all of these ratios, we don't have absolutes. They're, they're guidelines, and each scenario will work differently. If there's a fast growing church that's just killing it, maybe they don't have the margin quite yet. We may loan a little bit more. We may require less equity because they're, they're going to raise money down the road. It's they're guidelines, but not absolutes. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one more, real quick, before I give it up. So, yeah. on a, um, is there a contractual max percentage that the interest rate can go up after the three years, or is there just open whatever you guys want to raise it to? You raise it to. Yeah, it's. it's on how much we like you. Right. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, guys. Just kidding. No, no. I would. It's it's open. Um, and it's because we fund our loans with deposit accounts, and those deposit accounts can change every six months. So if those rates, our deposit rates, happen to go up, we have to be in a position to increase our loan rates to offset that cost because we just can't be in a position where we're paying our depositors more than what we're earning. But you always have to come back, why does WIF exist? We've been around for 74 years. We exist to help the local church. We need, we need to maintain a, margin, a certain margin above our savings accounts for operations, which we run extremely lean. For a $1.2 billion organization, we have 19 employees. Um, so we're extremely lean. We need to have a little bit of money for loan loss reserve, which in our 70-year history, we've never foreclosed on a church, uh, ever. But we do reserve for that, for loan loss. And then a little bit of money for growth, so we can continue to help more churches. But above that, we're not looking for a significant margin above that. We don't have shareholders. Everything we make stays in the organization. In the last five years, Daryl, what have you seen the highest jump be or the lowest? Because it could come down just as quick as it can go up. Yeah, it could go up, it could go down, and stay the same. In the last 10 years, better. I mean, I don't think I've been here over six, almost yeah, six so years. I don't think we've raised a rate more than three quarters of a percent. So when I first started at WIF, our rate back in 2006, our, our loan rate was seven and a half percent. Our savings rate was six percent. So it was really, it was really tight margin. But back, if you remember 2005, six, seven, everybody's very aggressive. Banks are very aggressive. So our rates, our church loan rates, are also driven by what the market's demanding. And we will take, we will take discount that loan rate to make sure we stay competitive with the local banks. So we want the church to use WIF so we can push that money into, into, into other churches. Um, so, so even though we don't have goals, we still want the church to use WIF. Um, and so um, our, highest, our highest loan rate uh, back in the uh, early 80s, uh, mid-80s, if you remember, anybody's old enough to remember those times. And I worked at the bank, and, and our prime rate was uh, you know, eight, up to 18%, even 21% at one point. Our highest loan rate was 14%, and our savings rate was 12%. Now, how many today think that a 10% loan rate would be a good rate? <laughs> now, when I, when I, back in 1990, when the loan rate hit 10%, people were refinancing their homes as fast as they could at 10%. That was the best rate because they were going from 14 to 10. I want to make that 
that comment because it's really perspective. Because at that time, if we're charging a loan rate of 9%, it's because our savings rate is 6 and 7%. And it, and it means the, the banks are charging 9 and 10%, and their savings rates are around 4 or 5. Yeah, last thing I'll say on that too, keep in mind a bank, not only will your rate come up for your whole loan comes up too. So that's important. So you're, you have a five, you may have a five-year rate, but you have that five-year hard contraction maturity date. That's huge in my opinion. More important than the rate, in my, in my opinion. So we'll have a 20-year term, but that rate is more of an internal adjustment. There's no cost, there's no paperwork, there's no refinancing, it's just an internal adjustment. So you're really in the same, almost in the same spot as a bank, although you have to totally refinance that loan, if that makes yeah. sense. And, and I'll say in our 70-year history, we've got 1,300 loans. We've had less than 10 refinance away from WIF, probably. Yeah. And so if we weren't offering competitive rates, we wouldn't. And I, and I, almost in every single case, it's because there was a banker that attended the church and it was kind of what we call like a home or loan. I mean, it's like somebody that had a connection with the bank president could get them a really, really dramatically low rate. Good. All right, next. Yes, sir. You mentioned you're not uh, regulated. Is this considered, is WF considered like private financing, or how's that viewed in the eyes of? Yeah, so we be, we're in a nonprofit. So you can see all of our financials are open book. So you can actually go online uh, to our website and get our audited financials for your particular state. They're all the same, but we have to, because they're state, uh, uh, this. So we're regulated by regulated, state. Regulated is the right word about state. Accounts. So we have to register with every state. So because we're registered, all those financials are on there. So you can see how much money we make every year, and all that goes back into our equity position. Yeah. So, but on our, lo- on our loans, we're not regulated. But on our savings, we have to register with, the, with each state's Security and Exchange Commission to be able to offer the savings accounts in that state. Yeah, so they sign off on it. Is the savings deposit account required? Yeah, if you're going to get a loan, then we would typically say have, have your savings with us. We think it's just good stewards. To have your money with us. But let me let me hit that while we're talking about the savings thing, though. So um, because our loans are funded through savings, it's a mutual partnership. But it's a a lot of lenders will require you to have a hundred percent, and they're checking on it, making sure that every dollar that you account for in your reserves is with them. We're not going to do that. We trust there's a good faith partnership, and if we're serving you well, you're going to want to put your deposit with us. It shouldn't be a have to; it should be a want to. So. This is more of a general budget question, not necessarily loan, but for a church that's wanting to, uh, that's planning for growth, have you all seen, you mentioned like, I'm, this is my first ARC conference, yeah. and you mentioned that there's like a standard kind of amount that, as yeah. far as percentage when it comes to operation versus savings versus, yeah. is there a standard thing that you guys would suggest for budget for a church? Yeah, if you go to the Grow website, you can download it all there, and that's really what we re- recommend. I mean, because that's that is the number one tool that we see in financial space for churches. But I mean, just a, it's I would say I think it's thirty five percent towards personnel cost, thirty five percent towards facility cost, twenty percent towards ministries, and 10%. It's 35, 35, ten percent. Thirty five, thirty five, ten. Ten, ten. Okay. Uh, so thirty five is your staff. Thirty five is operations and like building. Ten percent savings. Ten percent giving. Ten percent. Yeah. That's why I didn't try to give it. I'm like website. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I have kind of an. I've got an interesting kind of a situation. Um, we're re- revitalizing a church, and so, like he said, we've been given ten acres. We've got about 150 people with us 
and probably 70% of those are very faithful tithers. So we have an That's awesome great. income. Yeah. But we don't have three years of proof or anything like that going on. But we're at a point where we want to build and then actually do like a relaunch and invite the community. And so we're, we're in an interesting situation. Is there anything you guys can do with that? Yeah, I would tell you that that's interesting to you, but there's a ton of guys doing it and a ton of people doing it. Um, we work with churches all the time that are not up to, traditionally, you got to have at least three, if not five years of financials before anybody will even give you a look. With WIF, because we're not regulated, it allows us to look early. Um, and there may be a little bit higher ratios that we're going to expect to see. Like we're with the church next week in uh, Portland, Oregon, um, that is 20 months, 22 months old. That's not standard, but because they're killing it and people are coming to Christ like crazy, we're going to go check it out and see if we can help them. So I would tell you, hey, we'll look at it and take a look, see if we can help you. And if we can, we will. And if not, we'll tell you, hey, here's the benchmarks you need to hit in order to get where we can help you. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. yeah We've got time for a couple more. Yeah. You choose. So I don't offend anybody. Uh, regarding, you mentioned no covenants whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, so you only require internal financial statements or because uh, reviews or compilations can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it could cost 25 to 30% of what you're actually paying for the loan. Yeah. Yeah, typically we'll, we'll take just internally prepared statements. But as you start borrowing more money, we may want CPA prepared statements. It kind of depends on the threshold. And our threshold for an audit, just so everybody knows the audit, because I just get this question a lot too. If you're at $3 million or above, we recommend you get an audit. $3 million revenue or $3 million loan? $3 million revenue. Yeah. So about a $10 million loan generally, we start to like, like to see an audit. But we'll, we'll sometimes do a review too, depending on how well we know the church or how well we're comfortable with their accounting staff. Yeah, yeah they're typically internal statements. So guys, just in light of how you kind of started the conversation, is there ever a time that you think that would make sense to build new? Is there ever a situation a like as a young, like, you know, church planners, you know, three and five years, is there ever a time where like, hey, I really would recommend to do a new build versus renovation, you know, buying something that's existing? That's a great question. We see more renovations today because it's cheaper per square foot than we do build from the ground up. Unless you're given land, and you've got an incredible opportunity with a ton of cash, we're going to tell you, go look for a building, go find a box and put what you want in it because it's going to be a cheaper per square foot to get into. Yeah. A lot, a lot lately, even in the last six to 12 months, I've seen a lot more churches, denominational churches that are giving their churches away. Yeah, but a ton. Don't give up on that. Uh, I'm just blown away by, we just recently had a $12 million church property given to, a, to an art church that had $3 million in debt. Um, and they're taking over the debt and we're like, that's awesome. Just... Well, what's crazy is we already had the debt on that property yeah, the from the previous church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Win-win. We didn't do anything to encourage it even if it just all happened on its own. Yeah, it was good. Well, Get time for maybe one or two more? Yeah, one more. Last one. Are there uh, points or fees uh, associated with the initial loan and then with uh, and or advanced uh, loans in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you're last but not least, so here's an iPad. Just because you got last. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Well done. Well done. I didn't want you to feel least. I didn't want you to feel least. Yeah. But you are last. Yeah. We have, we have typically a half percent fee based on the dollar amount that you, that you borrow, and that's the only fee that you'll pay to WF for the life of that loan. 
So if you come back and you want to do another loan, it's typically a half percent. But that's the only only fee that you'll pay. So if you keep that loan up 20 years. Traditionally, you would have that fee every refinance is a yeah. different fee structure, and you just pay it every five years or whatever the term is. Yeah. With us, it's three years, or we lock the loan in, and for the life of the loan, that's the only fee you pay. Mm -hmm. You call a year or two in and just want to adjust your payments. Yeah. We're working with you. It's pretty, it's an easy change. Why are we charging you $500? We don't need to do that. I mean, it's just, it's just really easy. Yeah. Hey, so if I can, can I do this as we close? Can I just kind of close this out with prayer? And then you may have an announcement, or I'm not sure what you're supposed to do. No, you got oil you're anointing with, or <laughs> any of that kind of thing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we'll be here. Father, we just thank you so much for each and every person represented in this room. And even more importantly, God, we thank you for every lost soul that's coming to these churches that are in the room. God, we pray in advance when they go home from this conference, their refuel, their vision is refreshed, God, and their souls are renewed. God, we ask that you go before them, that you help them, that you guide them, give them wisdom in taking next steps, whether it be uh, the new building or new vision and what you're calling them to do. God, would you put people around them that can resource the vision that you've placed in their heart. God, we thank you for what you're doing in each and every church, and we bless their families, we bless their teams, we bless their church. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this session from the Art Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations and to register for an upcoming art conference, visit artconference.com.